You're listening to the PT Profit Podcast, episode number 32. Today, I'm sitting down with Gregory Hawthorne Jr. to discuss all things increasing performance and also health. So are you ready? Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Beverly Simpson, former fitness manager turned online personal training business owner. And this podcast is where smart fitness professionals, including trainers and clinicians, discover how to increase client performance in movement, package and position their products and services and get out of their own way so that they can increase their revenue to live a life that they love without sleazy sales. Welcome to the PT Profit Podcast. What's up, coach? Welcome back to the PT Profit Podcast. I'm your host, Beverly Simpson, and I'm really excited to share this episode with you. Today, I sat down with Greg Hawthorne Jr. of Thorn Training and Therapy, where they believe in treating the person as an individual. And we had an incredible conversation all about increasing performance, his experience with COVID, having COVID himself, what his facility went through, how his facility is managing COVID times. Also, he shared his personal experience with starting from the beginning as a strength and conditioning coach and moving all the way up to the top level as a strength and conditioning coach for the NFL. Greg is a certified athletic trainer who spent nearly a decade working with elite level athletes. He's worked for the Carolina Panthers, Florida University of Michigan Athletics. He's implemented human performance programs with great success in a variety of populations, ranging from the high caliber athletes to the geriatric population. Greg has a hunger for knowledge and the need to use that knowledge to help individuals perform and function at their optimum level. We also both shared our lessons in our strengths, and also what we would tell ourselves when we, if we were just starting back at the beginning. And honestly, it was a very powerful episode for me. I left feeling incredibly inspired and flooded with new innovative ideas to increase performance, both on a marketing level and also on a training level. So I'm really excited to get this interview out to you. So without further ado, let's roll it. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Well, I mean, I guess considering. (laughs) (laughs) I know, considering. I'm really glad that you came on the show. I can't wait to actually dive into that. But it's really a pleasure and a privilege to have you on the show. I know a lot of people are going to benefit, and I'm super excited to dive in. So thank you so much. Appreciate you having me on. So just for some clarity for anyone who doesn't know you, can you just tell us a little bit about who you are, who you serve, and how you got there? Okay. Uh, my name is Greg Hawthorne. I'm a certified athletic trainer. Um, I went to University of Michigan for undergrad, Michigan State for grad school from Pennsylvania. Uh, so currently, I work at Robbins Air Force Base in uh, Warner Robins, Georgia. At the same time, I also run a private practice. Uh, within like a complex of uh, sports performance. So essentially it's set up to, um, it's called a lab sports complex. I'm also on social media for thorn training and therapy, um, but it's set up like a university setting. So it's, a, it's like a community university setting for youth athletes. Uh, so we have a uh, sports specific skill, uh, sports medicine, my, spot, my aspect of things, athletic training, uh, strength conditioning and tutoring all under one roof. And so it's provide essentially decrease the stress and that make it easy for the athletes in our community to essentially 
become the best they possibly can be. We try to remove as many barriers as possible for them, have everything move in the same package. Uh, my journey uh, was pretty much starting from undergrad. I knew I wanted to work in professional sports or non-specific or I guess non-conventional athletic training. Uh, so I ended up working for, so after undergrad, I worked for the Detroit Lions. From there, they gave me a, a step into uh, NFL Europe. So I spent three, three months in Europe working with there and that was a fantastic experience. Uh, from there, I went to grad school at Michigan State, and there that was more of an osteopathic school, so we learned from a lot of osteopaths, so that was a pretty good segue for me. Um, and then I went from there, I worked for the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, for a year as a seasonal intern, and then from there, I uh, went to Florida State University, worked with the football team there, then worked with the Carolina Panthers for three years, uh, left them, um, and then moved down here and actually been in Warner Roberts since. Um, so uh, the, the whole manual therapy aspect really helped me get jobs, to be honest with you, um, in the athletic training setting. Uh, at the same time, I think I'm a good person, so I think that helps. Uh, but that's kind of that kind of led me to where I am, uh, and I've always wanted to kind of help the youth out. And that's the big thing for me is that what I, I saw, what the collegiate athletes got, professional athletes got, and even how we're kind of sim similar model we have here on uh, the Air Force Base as well. And I know it's kind of like removing barriers and giving them the best option to succeed is going to essentially create the best athletes. And I think really good humans as well, because uh, we have a lot of uh, touch points with them. Uh, so we kind of can preach solid mentorship within our program. So that's a, that's a big deal when why I wanted to kind of grow that. It took me a while to do that um, because for me, I don't like working alone. I already know that, I like working in a team. And so I need to find the proper uh, partners to kind of do this, uh, do this business aspect of things. And so it took a couple years uh, from leaving the NFL to creating this. Was it hard to leave the NFL? Uh, Yes, um, but my wife, she's a, she's a superstar. She had a good job, and um, it, that's what brought us down to our area. Uh, my wife got a, a she's a professor in the business school at Mercer University, and uh, it, it, based on finances and family, I'm, I'm a big family man. Um, uh, uh, that really helped with the decision. I mean, I got I didn't like hey look I'm leaving the NFL like I got fired, and then I had job offers afterwards. Um, and then, but it was me. I had to make that decision of am I going to go into it or not anymore. Uh, when it comes down to family aspect of things. So that was a decision. Yeah. The family, it was a family based decision, which makes it pretty easy. And in my opinion, for sure. I'm mom too. So I definitely get it. Family always comes first. And there is a level of consistency that I feel like is important for young kids. So I love that. So I guess I'm curious too, what caused you to want to work with professional athletes versus, you know, the general population? What are the big differences that you feel like you've noticed or needed aside from, you know, things like discipline, for example? So the big tale, so athletic training and profession is generally, I think, undervalued. Um, a lot of times we're, I hate to sound super shallow when I say this, but, you know, we're not paid very well. Like it's, it's, you know, we put in 80 hours, 90 hour weeks a lot of times. And, you know, the pay is maybe 40 grand, 42 grand a week or a month, a year, a week would be awesome uh, a year. Um, and so it's one of those things where I know in professional sports, one, um, their pay is a little bit better. You know, we're not on the same par as coaches, but it's, it's, if you're an assistant, um, it's like assistant athletic trainer, assistant coach, um, but it's still much better than it is in many settings, including university, even high level university. Um, and so you have to deal with that. But the big thing for me was besides because for NFL training, generally, there's no private practice, right? It's it, that's something new. Um, so what I'm doing is, is fairly groundbreaking. 
Um, there's, there's, it's grown a lot more, but they're comparably not a lot of us. And so it was a conventional setting or high school sports, uh, college sports, and then in, in professional sports. Mm. From a times perspective for me, again, I've always looked at family. From a, when it's football and professional level, it's a business. So it's, it's there's hours are pretty set, pretty regular schedule, boom, bada, boom, bada, bing, that mm. sort of deal. Where college, they're, at, they're student athletes. Student comes first. So you have to get everything's around that schedule where football is a priority there. And so from a scheduling and time standpoint, that's what really drove me toward professional sports because I knew it's kind of set. Now, again, you're 24 hours on call um, because people can hurt people. You know, you're, you are their medical liaison um, when you're working with sports teams. So you have an injury at home. Guess what? I'm getting a phone call. You know, hey, look, these little things here and there, you're, you're the guy um, or the team, we should say. And so you got to be ready for that. But time at home, time away, it's pretty much set. Um, the numbers are a lot lower. You can imagine one professional sport team versus a college sports team versus a high school overall, you know? So it came down, again, very much driven by my choice of family first. I love that. I love that. Okay. Uh, and so now in what you're doing with the youth athletes, are these people that are you, I know what you're saying in terms of how you're doing it all new and that it's, groundbreaking because to me it sounds like you're creating a, a university setting for people who want to move into professional sports right is it right. l specific or is it all types of sports so currently it's our it's it, the goal is to grow towards all what we can but you know currently we focus more on baseball basketball and football and then softball and in 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 softball um but mostly it's basketball men's and women's football and baseball, and we're trying to get softball breaking the softball market. Um, but it's, that's really heavily based on the sport specific skill. Like we, we're not big enough necessarily to hire that many people. And we, and, and we believe in, you know, you should get the best service. Right. And so it's not like, Oh, we're going to, Hey, we're going to coach it ourselves. Like, no, we're not, that's not our skill set, Right. So why would I try to do that when they, that wouldn't serve the athlete better. Now we offer the other aspects from conditioning wise and, um, you know, at sports medicine, uh, aspects to them and so that's kind of where we are with that but that's our main sports i love that so now how has the pandemic and covid impacted the university or impacted your business especially because earlier in the podcast you were saying you know you like to be part of a team how has that and part you know part of a team in your business how has it impacted the facility so until recently, I'll stop there and I'll go back to current, <laughs> this current situation. Um, we, uh, so we shut down early, but so we lost our strength conditioning. We lost our sports skill. We, we have a boxing, actually, we have a boxing gym. So we do boxing. I don't even know how I forgot that. Um, that's huge. Our youth boxing had just blown up, right? And then, so that hit. And so we had to shut down. So we shut down for about a month um, based on Georgia, Georgia rules. Um, we're in Georgia, so... <laughs> We're the Wild West out here compared to COVID, compared to every, you know, the, the world, not even the country, the world. So um, it was only a matter of time before I got it, essentially. Um, and so, uh, so we shut down for a little bit. However, myself, I shut down to new people, but I was able to see people that I was continuing seeing because being uh, medical services, I consider essential business. And so I never actually shut down. On base, we never shut down, um, but mask cleaning, you know, the good thing is we always clean normally in my facility in our area because we're medical. Um, so we had this, the proper cleaning stuff and it was easy transition again at that point for our other companies to do it because we had some guidance and I was able to guide them 
in that decision and we had a conversation about how this is what's going on. So we slowly opened up, we dropped our numbers down to how many people were gonna be in the gym at the same time, especially with the children. And then we, we upped our cleaning uh, regimen within the gym itself to, you know, after every use, you know, a little bit of, you know, mask here and there, um, depending on the situation. Uh, currently now, like I, I recently tested positive this past Monday actually for COVID. Um, so I'm shutting down for at least three weeks or I say two weeks. Um, and then mask, uh, heavy, heavy mask use at this point, you know, not even social distance to say, hey, if you're coming in with me, you gotta have a mask on period within the room. Um, and so I'm dealing with that now. So that was an interesting experience. Uh, you know, I'm currently going through it right now, I guess. Yeah. So currently I'm, I'm po COVID positive. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I definitely want to talk about that in terms of like, well, there's so many different ways that we can go because I feel like with COVID specifically, given that it's the pandemic, people have all these preconceived notions about what COVID is and about who's impacted and who's not. And so I'm curious from your perspective, you know, what, what happened? How, you know, but I think people have this belief that, oh, if you're healthy, you're not going to get it. Right. So I'm not saying I'm a pillar of health, right? I'm actually probably in the least health. And eh, that's not true. I'm not as healthy as I've ever been, right? I'm 37. So it's, you know, I've, I have family and kids. So, but I'm, I'm a fairly healthy dude. Um, I feel like, and my wife, she's also fairly healthy. When you compare it to the rest of, you know, when you're comparing statistics against, right. you know, yeah, yeah. I'll say the top. <laughs> yeah, probably. So, so like how this started was, so my wife, she works at Mercer. So she started going back to school. Um, you know, end of August, uh, you know, so I guess, you know, fairly recently. Um, and we look back on it now. And so like two weeks or so ago, um, two and a half, like she was tired. But at, at the same time, she had just started school back. The, there's a bunch of stress involving COVID with that, you know, so there's all those things. But that's all she had. She had like extra fatigue, maybe a little headache, a little sinus stuff. Um, but we also own a farm. So I have a little mini farm um and we breed dogs so like we have a lot of dust and yeah uh, and she doesn't sleep great like you know, again trying to work with family is impossible um so don't do it uh, <laughs> she don't listen to me uh just don't do it yeah um outsource you know have a buddy or something you know they'll listen to them way better so we have all this stuff going on and so and it wasn't she's literally every year at the time she has kind of this little fatigue time frame right no big deal so we didn't think anything of it per se because it was normal and then um so Labor Day weekend comes and uh, my kids, they get goggles, okay? And so over the weekend, oh, it's goggles. So they started bobbing for apples, not really, but ducking their heads in the animal, animal waterers, right? So they're, they're literally going head first with the goggles looking in the bottom and things like that, right? This is, <laughs> I'm, I'm, this is important because then on about Wednesday of last week, like they each kind of like a, like a, and they did this all weekend. So Monday, all that. So Tuesday, Wednesday, one had a mini fever for, short period of time and it had gastrointestinal issues, right? Mm -hmm. um, the next day, the other one did, but it was literally 24 hours. Not like next day, gone, no fever, nothing. Puking, you know, no, nothing. And then gone like that. And then come Friday, Thursday or Friday that week, I just started like noticing. So this is me personal now. Mm -hmm. And then I started noticing more fatigue. Like for me, I sweat. If anybody knows me, I am a, my, I have a very efficient cooling system, 98.6 all day. But I, with that, it's constant water just flowing out of me, right? I am mm -hmm. constantly sweating. So, but one thing I did notice was like, almost had like hot flashes when I went to do something. It was like, mm -hmm. man, I'm really hot. And it was a little bit different. 
um, I would do something like, man, I'm kind of tired. And I'm like, uh oh, like I heard, you know, and then the one day I had a muscle ache and I hadn't worked out uh, like I normally would. I'm like, ooh, this is a little sore. And then come Saturday, I actually saw a beer snob. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't necessarily wear the hat here. I, I do this on purpose. Um, I love this company. <laughs> but, um, so like I do craft beers and I actually went to sniff, uh, you know, very floral IPA. And I was like, oh crap, I don't smell this. And so my wife, she also does hand soaps, like high, high designer soaps. We're busy people. Um, and I knew we had this one, se- yeah, yeah, we're always doing something. And I, I knew we had this one soap in the house that was super fragrant. And I went to go smell that and nothing. And at that point, I'm like, all right, I probably got COVID because I felt the muscle, I felt the muscle, muscle fatigue, the kind of hotness, and I was a little tired. And this was Friday. And then Saturday, I couldn't smell a damn thing. Um, and I'm like, all right, so we probably have COVID. I probably had COVID. And then we didn't think about this, you know, the things I talk about the kids or her until after I tested positive. So then I, on Monday, I have to go in, rapid test. If you haven't had the test, it is miserable. As, as much as somebody's going to tell you it's bad, it is bad. Like, it is really uncomfortable. Like, it is, they are in your nose. Like, they're touching your brain, I swear. It's, it's insane. So they're sticking in there. They twist it up. Like, this will be only 15 seconds, the longest 15 seconds of your life. I'm telling you right now. I, was, I watch Hard Knocks on HBO, and when my man was, like, super nervous about it, I get it now. I totally get it because that was miserable. And so they did that. And uh, they came back positive, obviously. And so I've been out of work since. So we shut down. The good thing is, um, during the past week, I had a slower week. So I, I really didn't expose too many people. Um, that must have felt- sim- What's that? That moment of like, I can't believe I have it. Ah, not really. I'm like, I'm not, like, it's just for me, when we talked about slowing the curve, mm-hmm. uh, I really thought that was it. Yeah, hey, look, we're going to slow the curve, which means people are going to get it. I'm probably going to get it. And then being in Georgia, odds are I'm going to get it. So it wasn't a, oh my gosh, am I going to get it? I expect to get it. It's a disease. It's sickness. You know, the flu, all these things. I, I expected myself to get it. The question was, how bad was it going to hit me? Because as I mentioned before, me and my wife and my kids all had different symptoms, right? Now, they didn't test positive. Like, they haven't got, they didn't get tested. My wife tested after I tested positive. But again, she was about two weeks out, potentially, from it. Um, if she did have it, but she never tested positive, right? So technically we can't say they had it from a, from a research standpoint, right? It just odds are that's what these symptoms were because it is a crazy, crazy thing. Um, and for me, it's like how I manage it again, like you can hear me talking now, I tested positive five days ago, right? My symptoms started a week ago, maybe. And I never really had a day where if it wasn't because it was COVID, I would take off work. I never felt that bad, right? I felt fatigued, but you know, whatever that happens sometimes. Um, it just, but again, I'm also in decent shape, I would say. And I, I, I'm, you know, I mean, talk respiration. I daily, daily work on maximizing lung volume or like filling my lungs up, completely entering them out. Like that's a big thing for me is I'm a big fan of cell turnover on all aspects. And I think that's a big aspect of health. Really? Okay. Yes. So even if you don't work out, you're still working on increasing your lung capacity, essentially. Well, my ability to utilize my entire lung, right? So I'll do like some breath holds, I do breath work um, daily. Like that's just part of my daily routine. And you do feel like that has helped you recover faster? Who's to like, say? I know. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, like, I'm not a scientist, I'm not epidemiologist, right? It's just like, oh yeah, I'm gonna say all this stuff out here. But like for me personally, yeah, I think, I think that does matter. Um, sure. Because again, from, I think most diseases and most issues come from stagnation. You know, it's, it's, it's poor fluid flow. You know, the big thing with 
and I've, had, I've been in the intensive with Bill Hartman, and he really talks about compression and expansion and fluid flow and fluid dynamics, and you know, look at some of the prep by Perry Nicholson, um, stop chasing pain guy, like lymphatics, and a lot of that, and, and then for me, a lot of the issues do come from uh, like literally fluid flow, and which is just getting stuff moving, cell turnover, and that's all that is, cell turnover. We have to utilize things, get things old, get old things out, get those things in. I think cancer is, is a big part of that. Like I think all these things really play into it. And so like, I do think me breathing that way, me exercising a certain type of way, doing these things helped, you know, I got sick. I did not say, oh, I'm, I'm going to be better. And like, that's the last thing I want anybody to do. You know, if anybody ever, ever asked me about it, my whole thing is move. Now, if you overtrain, you know, don't be stupid, you know, but if you're, so like, if I was working with someone and we had this conversation with my patients, I always talk with them. And it's like, if you're a heavy, heavy worker outer, so with the athletes I'm dealing with, a lot of times I'm going to decrease the amount of activity they do. But then I also have the people on base I work with, and they're sedentary a lot of the times, minus their job. And I'm going to increase their activity when they're sick. And it's because it's kind of ha reading the happy medium. Like, look, you do a lot. Like, you drive yourself to the point of, like, super high level of stress the athletes do, and then they recover from it because they can. But now they have this added stressor of fatigue or the illness or the sickness or whatever it is. And now it's like, all right, we need to step you back because that's adding to the as stressor. So we're going to do a little bit of less. We're not going to shut you down, but you're going to do, you're going to do less. And that depends on how high, how bad they are, where the other individuals, unless they're really, really, really bad, right? I'm just like, you need to go for a walk. You need to get, look, I know you only get 2000 steps a day, which is crazy, but people have that, right? You have to get 8,000 steps. So that's their activity level. Now you have to get your 8,000 steps in. You have to do this. Uh, if you're on a bike, you have to do something to move stuff around in your body because that otherwise it's going to get, you know, you got to get stuff out. You got to have your body repair and it has to repair everywhere. Like it's a, it's a, it is a collective group. It's a team effort within the body everywhere at all times. Mm, so good. That's so true. You know, you did bring up something that I'm, I'm curious about because I feel like you work with two ends of the spectrum. Like when you talk to your people that are on the base who are sedentary, and then you're also working with athletes who are high intense performers. What are, you know, do you notice any similarities in how you train them or in the main differences between them? Yeah. So 100%, that was the big thing. Um, my teaching course was like, look, I've worked from, again, the ends of the spectrum. And they're literally a lot of times the ends of the spectrum. Like some of the people I have, I'm like, bro, wow. Like, <laughs> how did you get there? And other people are like, this dude's a freak. Like this guy will, I, I need you to stop doing stuff because you're doing way too much at this point. It's a load management game. And so what I do notice is the human body is the human body, right? So they're going to respond. If I can get the same activity, the body's going to respond the same way. I have to really pay attention now to the intensity. And so an athlete, I have to jump up the intensity to get the response I need. While within the center person, I may, I have to keep it super light. Um, and so there's those aspects. And athletes, they learn generally, like the real high level athletes. So like, I'm not talking about high school kids. High school kids are different. You, if you go to the NFL or like professional sports, uh, Coach Big House Power, where he says like the two set rule, whatever it is. He's like, an athlete is going to have an exercise down on the second set at, at, the, at the latest point, like the high level athletes. And it's like, it's pretty set. Like you teach them something, you show them how to do it. They know their body so well, they get it like that. It may take eight sets to 10 sets. It may, you may never get it with some of these sedentary people because they just can't feel anything. They have no sense. And so you have to put in so many constraints just to get them to, again, activate their body, if you will, the same way. And so that's where the really the difference comes in the in the play. Like for most people, 
gen pop is all I say is the, the a good exercise program for general population is generally going to be a decent rehab program for an athlete. Like that's where that spectrum is. Like they're once they like I can give someone I can crush, crush a person, even like a middle school high like a high school athlete with the, the rehab programs I'd have for the high level athletes. Because I mean like bury them. Like, they wouldn't even make it through. Like it would be absolutely brutal because it's just their their level is so high, their set rep screen, the amount of weight you gotta use, the intensity you have to provide, the you know, they gotta perform for hours at a time potentially. Like it's so much higher. Um, to prep them for a game or get them ready to return to their play than what a general person is going to experience in life. So like a lot of times, again, like a high level rehab or elite athlete is kind of how I program gen pop workouts or training overall. And it's even lower level again for rehab from there. Wow. So I'm curious in your opinion, do you think that those types of skills are learned or do you think it's innate talent? Both very much both like the whole thing is you're you're, you're going to have a genetic limitation i'm sorry it just that's life right your your skeletal structure is going to drive these things um i think that's probably one of the biggest tales there and also you know then you have your mental aspect of how you are you know, <laughs> genetic procedures how you're raised you know it, it that, that that matters um but you know certain pre you know we know from a research standpoint psychology and things like that you know addiction that that's almost, you know, hereditary, you know, there's different types of things that are hereditary and genetic based, you know, congenital, um, things along those lines. So those will matter. Now, when it comes to actually reaching your full potential, very few people do it. The effort that it takes to do it, the time it takes to do it, the, the ability to even have it, if you're constantly having to feed your family, or you're constantly having to work to do things, there's no way physically, you're going to be able to reach these levels if you don't already have a certain predisposition for that right you know you, ha you have these athletes you hear oh they you know they had to start working at eight years old with their families to to, to uh to provide food for the family uh because they came from such a, a, a poor family and a broken home and then but they made the nfl these most of those guys are studs like they have it like they are already jacked like they, they are just going to be those guys where you have other people you don't hear who oh they did that but then had to train a bazillion hours a week because they just didn't have it they had to actually adjust their body it had to reach that limit of potential you have those guys like mm -hmm. but the issue is they had the opportunity to train like that they had the opportunity to do that be it a thousand variables that come into play right it's just you have those abilities um to reach that cap most people don't cap out their genetic potential it's, but it's extremely hard and difficult and you have to have the stars aligned for that to really happen. So that's why it's so, I mean, that could, that's why it's so such a competitive industry because everything has to fall into place at the exact time, at the exact right moment. It's not just, you have to be top 1%. Yes. I mean, less than that, <laughs> like legit, like if you're a professional athlete, you are the elite of the elite. And how you, and it's, you're elite in something. It doesn't matter. Like you may be those guys who, again, I have a guy, a friend, um, he, he had no business being NFL. That was the one thing I always talk about. Nobody, the guy was undersized, a little bit slower, whatever. The dude was a workhorse. One of the most mentally tough individuals I ever met and could stick to a schedule and routine like no one else. So he was the elite elite of those little things, right? He didn't have the genetics. He didn't have, like, he had enough, obviously, but he had to push himself. He worked harder than anybody on the team to make the team. He was never going to be a pro bowler because he there's no way his body could keep up with those other guys. Like, his body would eventually break down um, from 
effort level if he played every snap. He just didn't have that. But he was a good role player. He was a good special teamer. And so, though, but he was able to make it there, just he had to go a different route potentially. Mm, yeah, I mean, the Rudy. <laughs> He's the Rudy of the team. 100%. Yeah, for sure. I totally get that. You know, um, this brings up a good point is do you have to deal, do you find any of your work that you have to deal with the mental, uh, the mental abilities of your players that are potentially trying? Cause now you're working with people who are trying to get into the NFL. Is that a huge component that you have to manage? Yeah. So like I have a little system that I have, I guess a model you could say. And so like within it, I have the person, phase and peripherals so within the person you have the body the mind and um the nutrients um and so with that being said the mind plays a role every single person i work with like psychology plays into it, who they are their thought process their goals all these things have to be addressed now you have to address them if you're a clinician no matter what like you have to now the goal is does it fall inside your scope of practice right i may have someone who, who as i'm working with i'm like all right this person literally has a disorder or whatever you want to call it. I don't know what the PC term is. Um, something's going on with the brain and it's outside of my scope of practice. I need to have a referral network that's going to, hey, look, I know who you need to go talk to and I need you to go do that. Otherwise, I know we're not going to reach the goals that you want to reach. Or I know anything I do is not going to stick because of this other mental block and I need you to get that fixed. You know, but I can always play my part and do what I can within the, within the mind, you know, uh, getting them to buy in, getting them to understand what's important, getting them to understand and appreciate their goals. Uh, all these things really play in, into um, the athletes, especially now with the youth athletes, because they have a lot going on and some of them are unrealistic. Some of their parents are jerks um, because they over, you know, they over push and it's like, this kid is not you know, he just ain't got it. Like it just, I can tell you, he's already 17 and he's, and he's like, you know, he's not even a starter. It's like, he's not going to go pro, let alone probably get a college scholarship, you know? So, you know, let this kid be good at what he's good at right now. Um, but, you know, so a lot of that is, you know, sometimes we're shorter to lean on as athletic trainers. Many times we play a lot of roles, like a lot, you know, a ton of roles, mom, teacher, psychologist, all that, because we have so many touch points, you know, especially when you work with a team specifically, you have, you're always with them. Um, especially if they're hurt, like you're always there. You play every facet of their life almost. It's, it's insane. Mm, yeah, no, for sure. But I mean, at the level that you're playing, these people, this is their whole life. So when they get hurt or something goes wrong, I mean, I can't even imagine what kind of strain that puts on the person. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. Like, that, again, mitigating expectations, letting them know, you know, hey, look, this is the, this is normal. You know, look, there's a way back. And the good thing is having worked with some guys who had like serious injuries and return. Um, like we had a guy, three ACL tears um, in his thirties. And it's like, oh my gosh. And like, look, he's, he made a pro bowl after this. Like it, it's, it's okay. Like you can get back from these things. Again, his special skill was he was the most competitive individual I ever met in my life. Like the guy would just try me, I'm gonna beat you, right? And so he was very good at that. He was also a freak talent, um, but like, you have these, so you have these expectations and yeah. you have these examples. So like the more experiences you can have, the more you can be honest with a lot of these younger athletes and a lot of these athletes overall of saying like, yes, you have this injury, but it's not the end of the road for you. At the same time, say you do have a catastrophic injury and they're done, right? Like, you know, it, like they're not going to come back at that point. You know, you also have, have these conversations about, you know, them as a person, like getting them to identify as, you know, Steve 
or whatever their name is, and not as a football player or not as a soccer player or basketball player, getting to identify with themselves. And because you're with them all the time, and you're and especially during this, you know, essentially it's a liminal moment at this point, right? And so you need to, you have a really good opportunity to get them to change their mindset. And so when we're working with them, we have these conversations of guiding them down to who they are as an individual, what they like, what they're good at outside of sports, you know? So a lot of times I try not to talk about sports um, in those situations. It's more about life and other things, you know? Hey, how's high school going? Hey, how's the, uh, oh, what's what's going on with, with uh, you, you know, these ladies, these girls, you know, guys like to talk about that or, or the girls with the guys. Hey, what's going on with the, you know, keeping up Kardashians, whatever these kids watch these days, I don't even know. Um, but like, you know, having these conversations outside of, who the, of the sport is extremely helpful. And when you're with them for, you know, hour at a time or longer, um, you have a chance to, to do that. And so like, you know, that's a, again, that's a big part of what I like about my job. Mm, that's awesome. I'm, I'm curious. Cause I, before I moved to the online space, I used to be a fitness manager. So I have worked with hundreds of trainers and a lot of them wanted to become a, a athletic trainer because I think there was a sense of, of, eliteness when it comes to, you know, perf- when it comes to training at an, at an athletic level or a, a high performing athletic level. So I'm curious, is there any pros that you have found or things that you love about training the general population? Not say that you like it better per se, but are there things that you have been able to enjoy about training your sedentary people 100 percent um when it comes to again when when they're in the pros they're good as much as i like to say i didn't mean a damn difference it could have been anybody doing the job like it's just they're so good they're so determined that you can like as much as i wanted to do hey look i used to remember you should do manual therapy and things like oh these have these crazy changes it's like boom that had nothing to do with me it had to do with these guys where bodies are so primed for change and so good again the cell turnover like they're, they're so good at things I could have, you know, gave them a Skittle and like, hey, they're gonna make your knee feel better. All of a sudden, their knee feels better, right? It's just, everything was so mental and they're so physically amazing that what I did, honestly, is, is, is you know, I'm, I'm downplaying it, but like what I did really wasn't that important. Now, when you work with this gen pop, like you literally can make a huge difference far more, I think, a lot of times in these guys' lives because they don't know anything. Like a lot of these people, they don't know, like you tell them like the simplest thing is you thought everybody knew and it's like, oh, I didn't know that. And it could change their life. Like all of a sudden, like, you know, they're, because we, how we work with them, a lot of times sedentary people, they're hurt, but they also have a bunch of comorbidities, right? You know, they may have diabetes, you may have all these things. So while you're working with them, you can be affecting them, or I, you know, that's how we do it, be affecting like through their life on top of their sports stuff from a health standpoint. Like, so you can make a, I feel like a much larger impact in the gen pop than you are in the NFL guys, the pro sports, because they're, they're studs. Now, again, you with, you're with them all the time. So you play those different roles, but from a medical standpoint, um, like you make a much larger impact in my opinion with a gym pop. So that's been extremely rewarding and very nice to see. And especially, especially with the youth athletes that I work with, the ability to help guide them and mentor them has been, you know, that you can't, you can't beat that. Rewarding. And you use the same principles on them. There's just the intensity level is different. Correct. You're right. It's, and, and it takes a little bit longer for them to make that change because they're just not as primed. Like, I mean, their whole life is sport, right? So, hey, look, you need to get better. Okay, what I need to do, you need to sleep 12 hours a day. All right, bet. 
don't go sleep 12 hours. Like, it's just like, you know, like a kid, hey, looking to sleep. She's like, I got homework. I got this class. I got to take care of my sister. I got all this other stuff. So like, you can't make those changes as fast because they just don't have the time to literally put the work in, you know, comparably and or their kids and they're just not going to listen as much or you can't be as specific. Tell a parent to sleep 12 hours a day. They I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> not having it. Trust me. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know for sure yeah that's true and they also you know they it's their job it's their exactly job. have to do it and that exactly game and but there's always someone there to take their place so they have that motivation of like if i miss time i may be done like mm -hmm. i may lose millions of dollars if i don't sleep 10 hours a day which sounds insane but it's like it's just legitimately like you have to understand like there's a there's now again there's the elite the elite but that's only a certain few. Um, but within the industry, like you said, there's always someone there trying to take your spot. It's true. You know, it, it reminds me, for me, just from my perspective, it's bringing up a whole bunch of stuff because I actually moved to New York because I wanted to be a professional performer. Like I was a singer. Oh, nice. A lot of it, it's very similar in terms of, you know, I was always asking myself these questions like, is this innate talent or is this skill? Blah, 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 right? All those things come up, I think, at every, in, in every. In everything, everything, yep. Mm -hmm. And it's just people are, people are predisposed at being, you know, good at certain things. And some people are, you know, are not good at certain things. And you'll never be as good as that other person, but you can still reach your level, in my opinion. But the amount of effort and time you have to put in can be insane. You know, look at Britney Spears. She can't sing a lick. But she's, you know, she's famous. You know, she did what she needed to do. Yeah. You know? you know, and to me, I just came to this, for me, I came to this realization, and I believe that this is true in every industry, is that you have to love the process more than you love the outcome. Because you're going to spend more time in the process than you are in experiencing outcomes. The outcomes are fleeting moments. Getting onto the NFL, right? That's a fleeting mm -hmm. moment. Now you have to play and now you have to perform and always looking to ways to be in the process to increase your performance. Mm -hmm. The same is true in any industry. So all that to say, you know, you listen to a Rudy example, what he has to do in his everyday process, that's not something I, as a parent, as someone who prioritizes family life, I'm not going to enjoy that. Right. Right. There's always sacrifices. That's the, and that's the big thing for me is there's always secondary consequences when it comes to these decisions you make, no matter what it is, right? It's like, oh, I want to be a parent. That's, if that's number one, guess what? Everything else is going to fall short of that. Like, that's, it, you need to clear path and focus on your goal. And if you, if you know who you are, so that's a big thing for me is getting your principles down. If you know who you are, what you care about, what you actually want, then it's easy. I say it's easy. It, it, nothing's easy. It's simple to to know where you're going, right? But if you don't know who you are, you need to spend time. That that needs to be your number one goal at that point. Figure yourself out. Figure out what you actually care about, what you want, you know. And for me, I've been blessed having crazy experiences. I went to boarding school. Went to, you know, grew up poor. Went to boarding school. Went to private school. Got the NFL experience. You know, lived in the hood. Lived in a rich community. So I've had a walk of life from friends from everywhere. Um, and so it's like, I've had all these experiences, which helped me work with people, help me connect. Like, you know, I, you go through precision nutrition and things along those lines. And they talk about uh, finding your superpower. Like my, like for me, um, like it's empathy. Like I can, I can justify anybody's decision. Like it may be the worst decision in the world, but I'm like, I can see why I did it. Like, I, I understand, but I, I think it's wrong, but I still understand where he did it. You know, like I always say like the empathy of Ender Wiggins. I don't know if you're into uh sci-fi anyways that's uh oh who's that that's, yeah that's, that's uh inner's game and uh and i was gonna say i like uh, everybody should read that book by the way um it's fantastic 
It teaches you how to crush your enemies. It's, it's super interesting. Um, but it's uh, always have the empathy of Ender Wiggins. And, um, but like, that's my superpower. And I think that really helps. Uh, but it's also, again, secondary console comes into play where I sometimes have a hard time of making very hard solidified statements and like, you know, turning my back on people because like I can almost always understand where they're coming from. And so like I say, I'll, you know, all the time I'm a martyr because I'll tell like, I get it. I'll, I'll, I'll jump on this one for you, you know, because I always look at myself as like, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty happy. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, I don't mean to sound brag, but like, you know, we have a lot, every stressor in my life is created by me. I create every stressor in my life. Like I can quit my job technically. My wife has a good job if I wanted to. I could, I could do all these other things if I wanted to. And so for me, it's like, if I know people aren't in that situation, they have to do these things because of, I say have to, you always have a choice, no matter what. And it may be between crap and, and more crap, but it's a choice. You always have a choice, but like my choices are pretty solid. Like I, I don't have a bad choice to make, you know? And so I always, you know, so I don't even know where I was going with that, but it's just, you know, I feel like from an empathy standpoint, that's my thing. And so like I can connect the people and I can understand uh, when I'm talking with them about, I, I get what you're saying, you know, to a certain extent, and also understand, like, I don't understand what you're saying. And I'll tell them, like, I don't, I can't, I, I, I can't be in the shoes. I've never experienced that. Now they don't have a conversation about it, you know, and that, that, and that helps me understand them. It helps understand other people who are in the same situation. I think that's so good. And you brought up a point that I've actually just been grappling with myself the other, just this weekend, which is sometimes I feel like my greatest strength, like Precision Nutrition talks about their superpower. Sometimes your greatest strength can also be your worst enemy. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Right. It gets, it's both. It's always right. There's a paradox in everything, right? It's mm -hmm. always, both. you cannot know the light without the dark. So it's always both. I feel like that about my superpower too. So yours is empathy and mine is definitely drive, but it can also be like, mm -hmm. you know, go the other way. Like I'm yeah, a you have to stun it sometimes, right? You're like, oof, I have to, like, I get it. But it's like, <sighs> I have to stop this because it never goes away. Right. It's never gone. It's always going to be there, but you could, you have to make that decision sometimes that makes you feel bad. But in the end, it's probably the better decision. But because like you're, it's like you're, again, this is me being empathetic again, where it's like, I, you feel bad about it. But it's like, it's like, you know, it's like, I, I get where it's, it's like, you know what I mean? It's just, you have to sometimes go against it, even though you think it's what you, what you should do, you know, but it, you have to look big picture and it's just, you know, you go down a rabbit hole of all that, but 100% secondary consequences on everything you do. Whatever you're doing, you're not doing something else. I mean, that's what this comes down to. And I love that you said about choice. Everything is a choice, no matter what. You are not a victim of your circumstances, which I think is a good thing. It doesn't feel like it all the time. Mm -hmm. Times you can't see what the lesson's gonna be when you're in the thick of it, but it is there. It is, uh, the world is always working in your favor. And when you can really operate from that place, mm -hmm matter who you train doesn't matter if you train athletes gen pop it will that will change the, the game for you yes and without a doubt i know it sounds crazy like you're saying but like if you can get your mind on that choice of like of the idea like it's always your choice your stress levels drop drastically like mm -hmm. it, and from a health standpoint you're going to be much healthier because now you're not like oh i don't have no control and you're just you're worrying about things you can't work that you really have no control over and again that's you know metabolic syndrome that's every chronic disease in the world is just stressors that you can't control because you're stressing about them and it's like, once you make it realize I always have a choice, you don't, you know, you can not stress about those things. It's like, all right, this is happening. What's my choice? Pick it. Then, then go about it. You know, it, again, simple, not easy. You know, it, it's, it's, it's one of those situations.
Yeah. Okay. So I do have an, an, a last question for you because I do want to be mindful of your time, but I'm curious because I always say that someone was going to pay us to me. They'll be like, you always say that. Yes, I do. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, for me and from my perspective, you have been someone who's a high performer and also a, on the cutting edge of fitness education or of, you know, co- strength and conditioning education, always at the top level, always sharpening the saw. And since this podcast is about, you know, is about helping professionals become better at their craft. How have you been able to, to continue learning, right? Continue learning and also implement without perhaps, you know, going back on something you said before, you know, does that make sense? Like, how are you continuing to push the envelope since mm-hmm. you've been in the industry for so long? So 100%. So like you always... If you don't go back and like, ah, I probably wouldn't have done that now, um, you're probably stagnant. You know, you got to keep moving. So like, you know, I'm not saying I wouldn't take things back. I, d- I did in the past. But I, at the same time, I'm not that person who says, oh, I'll look back at myself and I'd be mad at myself. Or don't. I'm like, nah, because you did your best. You did your best. And that's all that matters, you know, overall. And I understand the intent versus impact, yada, yada, yada. Um, it depends. Like the person still got better, right? It just may have taken a different route. Um, for me, so how I started off is, again, working with the professional sports teams, colleges, things like that. I was blessed with the ability to do a bunch of CEUs, continuing education credits without me having to pay for it, right? And so as a young individual, experience as much as you can. Don't get caught up in dogma, right? The whole thing is see everything. Hey, look, this seemed to work. This seems to work. This seems to work, but be savagely good at your basics. Know your anatomy, know your physiology. Those are the two big things that really, really, in biomechanics. Like, again, it's all the same. All injuries, again, for me, um, when I'm working with injuries and uh, assessments and diagnosis, it all comes back to anatomy and physiology and biomechanics. Like it, it just, everything goes back there, special tests, all that doesn't really matter. Uh, they're just names. Um, if you know those things, you're gonna be good. But then know your basics, know your savages, uh, savages your basics, experience as much as you can when you're younger. If you, you know, when you have that time to, to go to all those courses, do that. Once you, again, once you have family or once you have a business going, you're going to lose that time. So go through all this there. And then based on your basics, based on your first principles, what, why would those things work for people? Because everything that sells works for some reason, right? It may not be as specific or as precise, but it works for those people or some people, some population, then you can figure out why that works. And then from there, you start now honing down your own model and focusing on the courses or the subjects that really, that you really care about and are really going to now, when you niche down more to your population, that work well for your population. Because what works for my population may not be a good course for me to go to for someone else's population because it's just, it just not nearly as applicable. I may go there and may pull one thing from it, which isn't in my opinion, some courses are like a grand now. It's like, that's not worth a grand to me. It's just like, you know, maybe $200, $100 here and there. But again, it depends on who, where you are in your, in your career and the money you have. Again, I'm blessed. Um, and so you have to start broad and then slowly narrow it down over your time. That's the biggest thing, but you really, really have to know your basics and your first principles. One of the big thing with Bill Hartman that really kind of emphasized was like, look outside your industry as well especially when it comes to basic sciences, like physics. I would have never thought how much I, I focus on physics now, you know, fluid dynamics, thermodynamics, things like that. All those things actually really come into play. I'm not saying you have to know those things specifically, but appreciate them, understand that they're there. Um, and then again, narrow it down, start broad, narrow it down, and then focus on what works well for your clientele 
and then practice get your reps in as many reps as you can do what you can try things don't worry about do safe to fail uh experiments all the time with your clients and then maybe end with the with the banger that you know is going to 100 work um but you can always hit things out of the park sometimes with these safe to fail experiments where it's like oh gosh we've just gained three weeks of whatever we're trying to go in this one week or this one session because i tried something different where if you never tried that, you may not get it. Where if you did try it, you lost 10 minutes of a session. Oh, well, but you already know your go-to, which is going to drive the changes that you want overall, right? No one needs a full hour. No one needs these full 30 minutes even of something super targeted, unless you know it's going to work. Like if you can get those super target things and you know for sure, but you never know, that's the problem. Uh, so you have to kind of hit it. But when you do get that change, own it. You know, when you get those progress, own it and just drive that home until those changes stop. It's so good. Well, you said three things in there. One of them, like really, you know, because now we're talking about marketing and it's something that I really love is when, you know, people are always having that pricing conversation in their brain. And what they're really talking about is, is the perceived value worth the asking investment? That's really the conversation people are having in their brain all the time. So I'm curious, how do you determine for you? And I know you're saying that everyone's at different levels, like just learn as much as you can and implement. And I think that's really important and get out of the dogma. That's something that I wish if you were to say, Beverly, what's one thing you'd want to know when you were a starting strength and conditioning coach, it would be that is that it's, there's not, there's, and I, I noticed this in myself now, there's more than one way. Lots of ways are right. Learn mm -hmm. them. I'll be yep. familiar with them all. So how do you, you know, especially now with so many different opportunities coming to the market, how do you discern which ones you want to invest in? So I'm, I'm ruthlessly savage with myself when it comes to what I'm, what I'm, what I'm bad at. Like one of the things I would tell myself as a younger person was do more things that suck. Like cause I, I was, again, um, my friend says, I'm, you're the king of the humble brag. And I was like, I don't mean, like, I, I don't even mean to do that. Right. But I'm gonna say, I was pretty good at a lot of things when I was a kid. Like, and also there was a lot of things that I could do that I was decent at. And so I would do those things. I didn't do a lot of things I was bad at. And so when I got older and I started experiencing tripe and failures and things like that, it was like, holy crap, this sucks. Like, I got to, I don't know what to do. Like, you know, I had to figure out how to grow in, in, in the thick of things. Right. And so do more things that suck. But so now currently I am, I'm terrible. I'm, I'm mean to myself. I'm compassionate enough, but like, I am, I, I, try, I treat myself way worse than anybody else mentally. Right. Sure. Um, and so I really look at like, where am I bad at it? Like, where am I bad? What am I not good at? And and that's not from me, you know, part of it's me, what I think, but really it's like, where am I, where am I struggling when I'm working with patients? Um, where am I struggling when I'm working with, with life, you know, even with my family? Where are my struggles? I'm going to go and gravitate. Where can I find something that's going to help me get better at that? And then once I think of a subject or target market at that point where I'm going, I then ask people who've taken a course. I won't take a course sight unseen. Like, that's just not something I'm doing. I'm asking friends. I'm looking at testimonials. I'll email people sometimes from testimonials. If it's like someone who's high in the industry who I know is known to like kind of write back or say something, I'll say, hey, what do you think about this? Um, if I feel like the person's super markety, I, I generally don't do it. I'm sorry. It's just like, for me, no. you gotta you gotta look genuine. Um, and like, and, and, and I don't care about dollar signs at that point. Um, I, I'm not there, you know, when I was younger, yes, that mattered. But now where I am in life, I can look at it and say, if this value is going to generate um, something for me, like a better outcomes, like for my patients, I'm going to take it. But it has to be something at that point that I think is going to drastically help me. It has to be like, this is a log jam in my current abilities. And I know it's going to remove that log jam. And I know if I don't get this log jam taken out, I am not going to move forward. 
like I'm going to struggle here. So it's, it, it is like a pivotal point at that point, And that's where I'm really going to focus my uh, thoughts are. And that could be uh, like skill set. It could be marketing. It could be, um, it, it could be uh, like just mental, like psychology. It could be, you know, whatever it is, like that may be the, this is where I need to go. Like I've done several things to kind of get over these log jams. And, and um, so yeah, that's how I make my choices. Which is why it's so important that fitness professionals find a way to communicate authentically yes. what it is and what problems they are specifically solving so that people like you can make those decisions. That's why it's so, that's why marketing is important. Mm -hmm. One of the things I do like to say also with that is like, I'm older. I, mean, I say older, I'm not, I'm not that old. I'm 37. But there's a lot of young guys, right, on the industry doing education stuff. And I am not hesitant to take classes from these younger guys. Like, put your ego aside when it comes to that. Because a lot of these guys, again, they got the time now, right? These, these guys don't have families. These guys have the time. And like, if you're a nerd, great. I love you. You know, be the nerd. Do all this stuff that I don't have time to do and then teach me it. Like, I don't care if you're younger than me. I don't care if you're 25. Like, you know, if you're, as long as you're not trying to tell me about life experiences, like, oh, you have that, like, bro, you just shut up. You know, you don't know anything about that. But yeah, look, you spent, you know, a bazillion, 10,000 hours on this subject. I haven't had time to do that. And all the new research and technologies come out and you have to be able to utilize that. Hell yeah, I'm going to go take a course from you. It's, so like, if you're older, or you, don't worry about that. I know like, I, know, I talk to a lot of people in my profession. It's like, oh, these young kids, they're out. I'm like, bro, they, they got the time now. Like they, they can do it. Like research is better. School should be better. And if we haven't, stayed up on education or even we'd have the time like I said it just depends on who you are and like so many variables come into play on how good you can be when we talk about sports same thing with our profession is you know they may have it and you just and they can give it to you in a better in a, in a much concise hey look I've done these issues I've had this and then you just need to come correct with your experience with the right questions and so now you get then I'm gonna ask these questions based on my experiences that I have these extra 30 years I have that you only have five or ten but now I can ask you a very specific question based on the knowledge that you have. And now, boom, I've taken this huge idea from this course or from this individual that has helped me based on my experience to combine with their, their knowledge. And that's, that's a big thing for me is, you know, ask good questions. Mm, that is so powerful because you're learning, you're learning information from them and then you get to filter it through your principles, through your module over, or your model and how you live and your context. That's, ex that is very powerful. And I think too, that that's, I think you were talking about ego, putting your ego aside. I think too, and I'll just say for me, when I get it, when I got into dogmatic practices, it all comes from the ego, all comes from trying to prove yourself. But when you can both, I think it's just very powerful when you can both say, I know nothing, but I can help you and I can implement people who, who need my help. Like that is just, that's what brings you to the top. Definitely. Definitely. Beginner's mindset. I think that that's so important. Got to stay there all the time. You got to understand that every individual is an expert in something that you're not because they're, they're, they're their own individual. That's the, you know, I can't, every time I go to a room, I know someone's smarter than me in something mm -hmm. because they've lived their life. Like their life has made them smarter than me. I don't care how old you are. Like they've gone through certain experiences I haven't gone through. So I can learn something from everybody. Mm. And I, it's so powerful. And I'll be honest with you. It's something that I still have to check on a daily. Even when I go into marketing conferences, I'm 100%. really checking my ego and being like, no, Beverly, doesn't matter. Doesn't <laughs> matter. Time. You're going to learn something. And I always do. Big time. It is, it is a, like I say, it's simple, 
simple said, not easily done. Like it is, you constantly have to check yourself. And that's, and that's natural. That's human nature, right? You know, you read uh, Dale Carnegie's uh, Halloween for his infants people. The one big thing is like every decision you make is it's your decision. It's because it benefits you. You've made the decision. It's the best choice for you, no matter what. It may be like, oh, I've donated $10 million to this company. And all I had was $10 million, but that decision I made was because it was going to make me feel a certain way. And that's the only reason I'm doing it. Like, you know, and so like all the actions that you take, essentially, you know, I feel like it is like, it's a choice that you're making because it's your, it's, it's selfish. It's a selfish decision, no matter what you choose. And I, and I, and it, you know, obviously relative um, principles, but like hundred percent. And you have to check your ego every single time, every single day. Cause we're natural. I mean, that's what kept us alive. Like that's <laughs> evolutionary. We have to worry about ourselves. We're dead and we can't procreate, you know, all these other, you know, we got to see another day. It just, life's changed since we were, you know, cavemen. <laughs> true. It's true. Well, Greg, this has been such an awesome episode. Thank you so much. I really want to be mindful of your time. So for all of the people that want to learn more from you, where's the best place that I can send them? Uh, so currently, I guess I'm most active on Instagram at Thorn Training and Therapy. Um, and then all my other handles, uh, thorntrainingtherapy.com is the uh, website. Uh, Thorn Training Therapy on Facebook. Uh, I'm not on Twitter. Uh, I don't have time for that. I don't like writing, <laughs> I guess. Um, I'm just not on Twitter right now. Uh, so Your Instagram posts have been fire recently. I, it, I am so sporadic, though. I'm not going to lie. Like, it's just... It takes me like an effort. I'm putting effort in now to kind of get on there, you know, like it's, that's the whole Alex, Alex effort, a friend of mine, like, he's been good on that. He's been kind of motivating me. Uh, I don't know if he knows it, but like, you know, he'll get on there. He'll start posting things. I'm like, you know what? I, I, I could, I could probably post some stuff too. It's just, I had to get away out of my own ego. Right. It's like, Oh, people are posting things um, that are, you know, like, I'm like, people are really good at posting stuff like Katie, uh, Katie Sinclair, uh, Jason Sinclair, Alex, like all these guys are posting things. I'm like, man, this stuff is like, that's why I was said that I couldn't say it better. Right. But the thing is my audience is different. The people I talk to, the people are going to understand me. And I, and, and again, I've, I've told myself this for years, but it's still hard for me to do it. It's like, I don't want to post the same thing. It's like, dude, there's a bazillion people out there. Like who's to say like what I, how I say it's going to be better than how, you know, going to connect with someone different. And like, for me, again, 37 years old, I still struggle with that daily. Like it's just every single time I go to post, I'm like, does this matter? And it's like, it doesn't really matter if it matters. Like if I can help one person now, especially now I'm trying, I'm trying to write posts to kids on my youth athletes and that, and that helped, that's helped me uh, really focus on how I post things. Um, and so it's like, I'm trying to say things are going to help my current population um, that I work with. And, and uh, so every, but every single time, like, is this going to connect with them? And it's like, it doesn't matter. Just say something. If it's what I believe, it, it, it really doesn't matter. And, and so that, and that's, that's how I've started doing it. And it goes back to, you know, we can't control it. All we can do is write from our heart and we can't control what the impact is. It's going to be on the other side. And I think that that's, you know, very powerful. And always too, like, uh, I was actually, I was actually talking to Alex the other day and I was talking about your baby post. And I literally, I was like, thank you. Finally, someone said it. But then I went back because I was telling Alex, I was like, oh my gosh. If I was as strong as my baby, my children can't even walk down the street. Right. Fall off the curb and fall back. They can't even step off the curb. And But it's funny because before I had children, I used to say that all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a big thing for me. It's like, oh, look, baby squats like this. And it's like, you know, I'm like, bro, like, because I suck at squatting. That's, that's the one I'm thing. I'm a terrible, like, my squat, I'm a hinge all day, you know, like, yeah. All day. I'm a huge wide. I mm-hmm. could couldn't even come out. <laughs> oh, yeah. See? Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. 
So it was like, eh, you know, something like, oh, you know, it was like, and, and again, I'm very harsh on myself. It's like, if I can't do it, it's probably, if I'm good at it, it's probably the wrong way. Like, that's the way my mind goes. If I'm really good at this, or I, I, if I'm bad at it, I'm like, that's probably the right way. If I'm not good at it, then that's probably the right way. Like, and so it's like, people should squat like that. And it's like, you look back at it and you learn, it's like, bro, like, no, that makes no sense. Like, look at him. I, I'm stiff on my kid, you know, boom, knock him over. Like, get up, you know? And it's like, it's super easy. And I, I don't do that. But it's like, they, 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 they they're, yeah, they're terrible. Like, they, they don't move very well at all like they they barely move babies barely can get by like they're surviving it's like if you're trying to be an athlete or trying to do things you're trying to thrive not survive so it's like look you can't compare yourself don't compare yourself to kids i mean it takes 60 minutes to get them in the car i think <laughs> that's the truth right <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness that's just really powerful anyway so you've been just writing some killer stuff i think that it's appreciate fair. it i appreciate that it's awesome. Uh, are you working on any projects right now? I mean, you mentioned a million, a million because you are an entrepreneur at heart. So are there any uh, projects? I don't, I don't know about all that. Like, I forget, for me, it's like, I, 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 I would love a steady paycheck. Like, you know, that's why I'm still kind of in the, you know, the business. But you no, know, like, my wife is definitely the entrepreneur. So she helps, me, she helps guide me. And then, you know, um, even talk with you when I was working with Chris and, you know, UPR, you know, UPR, which kind of, you know, we're putting on the back bench for right now. Um, you know, a lot of things you said resonate well with us in regards to like, especially with the post and like, hey, just kind of get get out there and do that. Um, but like, you know, me and Alex are, Alex and I are considering uh, within hopefully the next three months or so, we uh, hopefully have a foot course out on uh, explaining kind of propulsion, foot propulsion and uh, how the foot moves. And eventually uh, I need to upgrade my soon, hopefully within the next month, I'll have a, a how to manage acute injuries, a quick one hour, two hour seminar, um, hopefully get some CUs with that uh, for not just medical professionals like myself, but for uh, uh, what you deal with if you're a trainer or a client, uh, strength coach or a personal trainer, um, even yourself, um, the goal would be to have something out there. Hey, look, this is what you should be looking for. This is what you should do uh, following an acute injury. And, you know, ice and rest uh, generally are not going to be the answer. Um, and so the goal is to maximize your body's ability to heal itself. And so that should be coming out hopefully within the, the next month. And I'm not sure if that's going to be through uh, we definitely advertise on my on my platforms and then potentially through UPR as well or even Alex Effort's platform. So cool. Okay, well, definitely keep me posted with that. And so and I'll definitely update all the show notes. So when they're out, it'll always be on this podcast. So, awesome, appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. So people can check that out. You know, I was just saying the other day when I was started as a strength and conditioning coach, all I had was like my NASM book and you had to wait until go, you could go to like a certification for the mm -hmm. week. Right. And I'm laughing at myself now because that's only like, I don't know, seven years ago yeah. in the pan. Right. And now people are like, oh, everybody's doing it. There's so much in the market space. But I think it is a gift. The no, 100%. That we can really raise the fitness industry, it will be a game changer. Because I think people like us, we forget that there is a whole slew of people that can call themselves a fitness professional. Yep. And have no business being a fitness. Yep. Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Greg, thank you so much. This has been awesome. No, thanks for having me. I really appreciate that. Thank you for listening to the PT Profit Podcast. If you like this episode, chances are your friends will too. So it would be a huge service to us if you would please leave us a review and share with your friends on your social media channels. 
When you leave us a review, be sure to take a screenshot of it and email that screenshot to my team at info at bsimpsonfitness.com. And we'll send you a very special Instagram podcast that will show you how to create compelling content so that your ideal clients come to you and you go from wanting clients to a wait list of clients ready for your services. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.